So here's what I can guarantee. I can guarantee we're gonna have a good time. I believe it is a sin to bore people. I have no scriptural proof of that, but it is a conviction that I have. And I feel like we as Christians should be the most joy-filled, laughable, having a great time people in the universe because we know who we are, we know whose we are, we know where we're going. So come on. And you're here, you're getting credit for chapel. Woo, way to go. Well done, well done. Because we're gonna be spending 25 minutes together, it is clear that I need to let you know a little bit about who I am because this is not normal. And as soon as you understand a little bit more that this is not normal, my message will make sense. Okay, so let's start with the natural condition of my hair. This is my kindergarten photo. If you look at my bangs, that's the natural condition of my hair. Okay, now look back at me. I get a perm every three months to make my hair look like this, and I'm super excited to tell you that I just got a perm last night. Ah, it is as fresh as it can be, my friends. And if you don't know what a perm is, you can ask your grandma, because she's still getting one, and so am I. But I will tell you, the last time I was here at Northwestern, a girl dragged her brother over to me who had just recently got a perm, a college student. And I was like, hallelujah. If they're coming back for boys outside of mullets, I'm so excited. <laughs> so um, I love my curly hair. I think it fits my personality. And I'm so committed to it that literally in my funeral direction notes, and by the way, I have them. They're in my Dropbox. Uh, I have some control issues, so I want to be sure when I'm dead, I'm still controlling things. So I have everything laid out and it literally says that if I am not in my proper perm rotation, that I will get a perm in the casket before the open casket. That's how serious I am. Okay, um, I am not normal, like I said, and I really figured that out in seventh grade. This is my seventh grade photo. I grew up in the 80s, you can tell. And I promise I was wearing stirrups and flats that day, because that's just what you did. But all the other girls wanted to like talk about boys and put electric blue mascara on and go shopping. And I just wanted to arm wrestle and shoot guns and hit things. That's all I wanted to do. And I will tell you that those things have only increased in my life as I have gotten older. Um, I, I love football. And when I say I love football, I don't mean that I like, oh yeah, I'm a Vikings fan because purple's great. Like I watch all three games on Sunday, Monday night, we have the NFL Network. So I watch Thursday night football. Like I love to watch it. I love to play it. I love to arm wrestle. Um, I love to beat people in arm wrestling in the name of Jesus. Um, <laughs> Like was said, I am unusually strong, not just for a girl, but for a human being. And so I do, I like to lift things. I love to help people move. It's one of my favorite things. I'm like, I've got that armoire by myself. I love it. Love it. Um, I love the color orange. I love NASCAR racing. I love anything that goes fast. So jet skis, snowmobiles, I've got them on full throttle all the time. I own 98 pairs of shorts and I only own one pair of jeans. I've worn them twice in the last 25 years. Um, I wear shorts every day that I can choose. I love Minnesota and my favorite thing is the winter. So I am in mourning this week. This is my morning, by the way. I am in mourning because of this warm weather that's coming, this heat wave that's coming because I love, love, love winter. I listen to Christmas music 11 months out of the year. Um, I mean... Theologically, friends, shouldn't we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ every day? Shouldn't we? 
my one friend's like, how does Frosty the Snowman celebrate our birth of our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm like, oh, no. But I take the month of January off because I feel like it's good to purge. But February 1 comes and I'm listening right away again. Um, I went to Bethel just up the road. I think we can still be friends. And, oh, come on. And I'm very aware of Amos 4.4, so you don't even have to tell me. If you don't know it, look it up. Uh, And college, honestly, were the favorite four years of my life. I would do them again in a heartbeat. The way that the Lord um, fashioned me, the friendships that I made, the self-discovery that I have, it was absolutely incredible. And so I love this time of your life. And I know that it it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it's so good and God is forming you right now and I'm so excited for you. Um, I think sometimes when I introduce myself, people assume that I'm single, (laughs) that I like live in an apartment with 17 cats or something because what can handle this? Well, I'm excited to tell you, this is my family. Uh, Here's what can handle me. Uh, This is my husband, Chad. And that's right, those are our two St. Bernards, Jingle Bell and Hadley. Jingle Bell is with Chad. Hadley is um, laying underneath me because it's really hard to stand up when you weigh 180 pounds. Yep, so next photo. This is my, one of my favorites. I love to have dogs that make me feel petite. <laughs> I'm like, look how tiny I look in that photo. I'm just like so small. <laughs> I love it. They slobber like crazy. Their poop is bigger than your head, but they're fantastic. So let me pray for us as we enter our time. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. And Lord, I'm just gonna claim right now Psalm 139.16 over all of us, where David says, all my days were ordained for me and written in your book before one of them came to be. So God, it is by your hand that we are here in this room today. It is not a requirement. It is not an accident. It is not a coincidence. And God, you've brought us together and you are not gonna waste our time. So Lord, may we not waste the time. May we lean in, may our hearts and our minds be open to you. And may we be different when we walk out of here today because we have experienced you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you are aware of the theme of chapel this year. Uh, I was told that it is the One Another series. Raise your hand if you actually knew that. Oh, that's pretty good. My bad. Uh, There are 60 One Anothers in the Bible, and I was sent this beautiful link that told me all 60 of them and, and how they're categorized, and actually it was really helpful and informative. And then I asked the question back to those here at Northwestern that I was talking to, hey, which ones have been covered so far? And they're like, uh, they had no idea. (laughs) So out of the 60, they had no idea which ones had, I shouldn't say no idea. They did not have documentation of which ones had been covered yet. And because I believe it is a sin to bore people, I was like, I can't duplicate. It'd be like, I gotta have something new. So I just chose the one that I figured had not been covered yet. Greet one another, my friends, with a holy kiss. That's right. You can't expect anything else from a junior high pastor than greet one another with a holy kiss. And I'm sure as I even say those words, you're wondering, Heather, please tell us, what was your first experience with a kiss? Well, thank you for asking. 
I will tell you that I have always liked boys, always. And that was the case the day that I went to church and was put in the toddler nursery at age four. And there I saw across the toddler nursery, Danny Trude. And Danny was in some kind of brown polyester, I'm sure. And I was just like, And I don't know how it happened, but I somehow (laughs) lured Danny Trude underneath the crib in the toddler nursery and proceeded to kiss him. I was four, he was five, ow! And I just planted one on him. He's probably still receiving counseling for the trauma. But I remember even at four being like, this is fantastic. And later on in life thinking, this should be an Olympic sport. (laughs) And if this is what marriage is about, I want all of it, yeah. I was a big fan and still am a big fan of kissing. Mostly Paul and Peter are the ones who give us the instruction to greet one another with a holy kiss. The one I was looking at is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 26. Um, and it just says, brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. And I know it sounds kind of comical and it's funny and we giggle, but really, really smart people have figured out what was the intent that Paul and Peter had for us. And that intent is that the kiss in that Middle Eastern culture was very common. And even I understand if you go there today that men and women will kiss each other on the cheek as a form of greeting. So just as common as like a handshake or a hug or a high five or a nux in our culture was the kiss. And like Paul says in so many different areas of his writings, we're supposed to be different as Christians. So let's claim something that was really common and done by everybody else, and let's add some depth to it. Let's add some heart to it. Let's add some Jesus, some God to it. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Because think about our culture and the physical or verbal greetings that happen and how shallow they can feel. I remember really sensing that during my time at Bethel. Um, Bethel's connected with these different skyways and you know, I'd be passing in class and somebody would, would walk by and be like, hey, how are you? And they literally keep on walking. And I'm like, I do it, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, I have a rash and it's, no, they wouldn't even, <laughs> they wouldn't even stop to listen about my rash. But I would see it happen over and over again that like these fly-by greetings or greetings where I didn't even feel like they even really knew that I was there. Or have you ever been in an exchange when the person anticipates that you're gonna ask how they're doing and they answer you before you even asked it and you're like, nope, wasn't gonna ask that. It's so common that it becomes so surface. We're supposed to be different. So I wanna ask you a very personal question. How genuine and personal are your greetings? When you interact with your roommates, when you interact with your professors, the people in your class, those that you pass by in the hallway or in the dorm or that you're sitting next to, how genuine are your greetings? Are they just like everyone else's in the world or do they have something more to them? 
One of the greatest compliments that people have ever given me is they say, Heather, when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm the only person in the universe. And I love it when they say that because I love to feel that way when someone's talking to me, but I also love to help other people feel that way. I'm a junior high pastor. Imagine the chaos in a room filled with 150 junior hires. The hormones, the biological shifting, the lack of deodorant or deodorant, it's crazy. And they have hardly any social, like, construct at all, right? So I'll be talking to somebody and I, Ian will come over, seriously, Ian's seventh grade voice, like, Heather, 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 Heather. Like as I'm talking to somebody, I will literally ignore Ian or I'll do one of these. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But I ignore him. It's like I put blinders on so that I can help that person feel like they're the most important person in the world. How genuine are your greetings? Do people feel seen by you? Do they feel known by you? Now, I know it might be unfair because you're like, Heather, you are weird. You are off the chart extrovert. This would be very easy for you. And those of you who it's a little harder, um, I understand that as much as I can, but there's no disclaimer here that says greet one another with a holy kiss as long as it's comfortable for you. Greet one another with a holy kiss as long as you feel like it. It just says this is who we're supposed to be. So how cool would it be, Northwestern, if there started to be a shift in the greetings in between all of you? If you actually slowed down, when you ask the question, how are you, you mean I want to know the answer. If you don't want to know, don't ask it. If you're not in a place where you can stop and know, then don't ask it. It doesn't mean that you're a jerk or a bad person, but let's have some genuine nature in our greetings. And the last part I'll say about that is, affection is a part of the love, right? Greet each other with a, a loving, holy kiss. How good are you at letting people know what you think of them in a good, kind way? So many of you think great things about people. You have good feelings and affections toward people, but you don't speak them. The Bible says if you're ever in the position to give it, give it, don't withhold it. So imagine if our genuine shift here could be, I'm actually gonna speak kind words of somebody when I think about them. And in regards to like texting and Snapchat and all the different ways that you guys can do that quickly, you've got so many options. Have you ever had a day where you are spiraling down or you are in the pits or you are feeling like you are the biggest loser, the biggest failure, and someone comes and says something kind about you? And you're like, man, that is exactly what I needed today. You could be that person for someone else. And I know that's what Paul and Peter were getting at. They were saying, let's do that for each other. Let's lift each other up because we're supposed to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you might be thinking, Heather, that's just not my way. It's just not how I roll. It's just not my personality. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. This world is hard enough. We have got to be willing to lift up those that we love and that we care about. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Take something, whether it's your high five or your hug or your knucks, and make it genuine. Now, it's interesting. 
In this same letter that Paul says, greet each other with a holy kiss, if you go up a little bit further in the letter that he wrote, he talks about another kind of kissing. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the heathen who do not know God. Paul is saying, we are supposed to be different, but especially when it comes to sex, especially when it comes to our sexual behavior, our sexual displays, our sexual thoughts, we are supposed to be different different than the heathen who do not know God and give in to passionate lust. I'm amazed at how many young adults in my world make a bold commitment to not have sex until they're married. And my guess is there are many of you in this room who've made that commitment. It is one of the most counter-cultural, against-my-self-desire choices that you could make. And one of my favorite things when a kid tells me that, a student tells me that, is to say, so where do you find that instruction in scripture? And they're like, uh, they don't know. They make one of the most counter-cultural decisions they ever could, and they have no idea where it says it in scripture. That's a problem, by the way. This is one of the passages, and then Hebrews 13, 4 says that the marriage bed should be kept pure and honored by all. But Students, I just want to land here for the rest of my time. And I want to land here because I have not only lived where you have lived, but I, for 30 years now, which is crazy, have hung out with teenagers and young adults. And I have heard every struggle. I have listened to so many stories. And I know that sexual temptation is real and I know that it's one of Satan's greatest tools, especially in a Christian culture like this. And I want to acknowledge God created sex and God loves sex. And he created it for your pleasure. Do you know that? Nobody told me that. When I was growing up, if there was anything sexual that was on the screen, all of a sudden the remote came out. It was like, oh, we're all done watching tonight. Okay, let's play Scrabble. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Nothing was ever talked about. Nothing was ever explained. And so when I got to Bethel, I remember thinking, okay, apparently sex is bad and dirty and icky, but you save it for the one you love someday. And I was like, I don't understand that, but okay. And when I started to understand God's design for sex and the way that he fashioned it for us and the boundaries he gave for us, I was like, shut up. I am going to spend the rest of my life talking about sex to people because this is incredible. He created it for your pleasure, for his glory, for connection. Yes, for offspring, but for so much more. You were created to be sexual beings. You were created to respond when you're, I remember when I went bowling 
with Chad Brian Johnson for the first time in ninth grade. He was a junior assistant manager at Hardee's. Thank you very much. He had a car and a motorcycle. I was living the high life. We walked into the bowling alley and I remember he reached down and grabbed my hand and I felt like there were like electric shocks up my arm. I can still to this day remember what it felt like. We were created to be sexual beings. So if you have urges and responses, you are not a bad person. That is what you were created, part of what you were created to be. But God wants the best for you. And so he has said, if you want the best, sexually speaking, you will be different. You will control your body. You will have boundaries. You will talk about boundaries with the person that you're dating because I want it to be the best for you. My dad was a long distance truck driver, um, drove an 18 wheeler cross country for 37 years and I would go with him in the truck, mostly because I got to play Ms. Pac-Man and eat country fried steak and eggs at the truck stops, fantastic life. But I love being with my dad. And there was one time we were going through the Smoky Mountains. Literally, he had 40,000 pounds of Campbell's soup in the trailer behind him. And we're driving up the Smoky Mountains. It's one lane going up and one lane going down. Massive snowstorm. And I'm over on the right-hand side in the passenger seat, bouncing along. My dad's over here driving. And and cars are coming around the corner of the, the mountain and literally swerving like this almost into our lane. And I remember looking out my window, and it was just a complete drop-off of the mountain into a deep, dark abyss. And I was like, oh, lovely, okay. And all along that road, there was this huge guardrail, like one of those thick ones, right? Like the metal ones with the big bolts in it, and that was probably, I don't know, maybe four feet high. And it followed us all the way up and down the mountain. Do you know that there was never one moment in that ride where I looked at that guardrail and was like, I just feel so stifled by you, okay? I just feel like you are infringing on my desires and the benefits that I should have, and I wish you weren't there. Are you kidding me? I wanted to get out and kiss (laughs) and hug that guardrail because I knew if there's any moment where our semi bumped up against, that is what would keep us from going over into that deep, dark abyss. Guys, so often we think that God gives us boundaries to suck joy from us and to like punish us or some kind of control thing. Are you kidding me? God knows what's on the other side of that guardrail. And it is regret, it is doubt, it is pain, it is not what he intended. And so he says, I give you this guardrail because I want the best for you. Do you believe that? Are you willing to look at that and say, okay, I get it. I get it that one of the things that God asks me to do, one of them, as a follower of him is to control my body. If you're dating somebody, if you're moving toward dating somebody, if you haven't dated somebody yet and you're thinking about it, do you have physical boundaries that are thoughtful and that are set And have you talked about them with the person you're interested in? Oh my word, Heather, how embarrassing. How could I ever do that? Listen to me. If you can't have a conversation about physical things, you have no right to be doing those physical things. 
If you can't talk about where you touch somebody or whether you're gonna do closed mouth or open mouth kissing, whether my hand can go up your shirt or down your pants, if you can't have a conversation about that, you have no right to be doing those things physically. You are not ready. You are not mature enough. Guys, we're supposed to be different, not just in sex. That just happens to be the one that we look at today, but in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we greet each other, in the way that we live, and in the way that we look at our sexual being. So I don't know what you needed today, but I know that God doesn't waste anything. And so if the Holy Spirit is stirring something in you, if there's a pit in your stomach, if there's a thought in your head about something that maybe you need to shift or you need to do, will you listen to that? And I promise you, I'm gonna pray all the way back to Wooddale Church. It's approximately 29 minutes. I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit will hound you, will hound you to the point where you're willing to bend your knee and say, okay, I get it and I'll do it. So Father, would you make that true for all of us? May you take your truth today and may you rock our worlds because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.